Uh, well, I'm so glad you're here this morning. You know why? Because we're starting a brand new series, brand new series on Romans chapter 8, Romans chapter 8. And we could have titled this series a lot of different things because Romans chapter 8 is this theological one chapter that sums up the Christian life. And if, so if you were just to kind of sum it up into one chapter for the Christian life, Romans chapter 8 is one of the best to do it. In fact, many have labeled Romans chapter 8 as the greatest chapter in the Bible. Obviously, that's opinion, right? Uh, but if you look at Romans chapter 8, it's just this concise, beautifully written uh, piece of not only theology about who God is and, and where we fit into the plan of God, but also a practical of how to live the Christian life. And I think we'll see that a little bit today. We're going to be in Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 11 today, but we're going to spend the next four weeks really unpacking Romans chapter 8. And I think it's just going to bless us. I spent 21 days of prayer and fasting. And one of the things that I did was read Romans chapter 8 every single day during that time. And it just really blessed my life and um, really just kind of saturated my heart and my mind. And so we're going to dive into it today. Does it sound good? Very good. So I'm going to pray, ask God to speak to our hearts, and then we'll go from there, okay? So let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for your truth, God. Thank you for each and every person that is here today and can hear my voice. And God, I just pray that we can take the next few moments uh, because I know that our lives can feel like uh, crazy at times. And I just pray that we can take that off and we can lay it at your feet, Jesus. I pray that you would speak to our hearts. I pray that I will decrease so that you may increase. And we ask all this in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. amen. So today, uh, many of you know, maybe you don't know, but uh, today also what's happening later on this afternoon? Super Bowl, right? Super Bowl Sunday. Some of you are like, oh, cool, Super Bowl's today. That's great. Uh, but Super Bowl's later on today, and uh, I, I don't really have a team that I'm rooting for, so to speak. I hope the 49ers win, but you know, it's the Chiefs. You never know if they're going to, they seem to always win. So we're going to go from there. But the thing about the Super Bowl is, is two teams out of all the teams in the NFL have worked their way to the top tier, right? Like they've worked together, they put all of this money, input, work, effort, all of that, and now they're facing off together, right? And so as they come together and they face off, at the end of the day today, there's going to be a clear winner, right? There's not going to be, we're not doing like soccer rules and tie and just kind of move this off, right? This is American football. We're going to figure out who wins, and they're going to walk away. One person is victorious, now, it would be kind of crazy for you and I to go, well, you know, maybe maybe they can work together and maybe, you know, just they maybe they could just come together and we could figure out a solution. Right. You're like, no, I want to see one person win. In fact, what if somebody on the 49ers team was like, you know what? It's OK. The other person can win. Right. Like the 49ers can win. Uh, the Chiefs can win. We, we would think that was crazy. In fact, they would probably even try to kick them off the team, try to trade them for having the mindset that there's clearly one team who is facing off on the other team. And they are opposites. They do not mesh. They're like today on Sunday, we are almost enemies of each other, hostile to each other. We're going, there's a clear divide, but yet they're going to come together and they're going to battle it out. They're going to try to, one is going to try to overtake the other. And when I think about Romans chapter 8, and as it kicks off here at the beginning, we are introduced, and, and really, I, I think we have observed this in our life, 
but we're starting to see in Scripture that there are two different natures inside of us as Christians. And in fact, it describes it very similar of going, they're opposites of each other, and yet they're fighting for position. They're fighting to win back and forth. That There's two different natures inside of us as believers. One is trying to pull us away from God. And one is trying to pull us towards God. Maybe you uh, grew up watching some of those cartoons and there was an angel on one side and a demon on the other and like talking to the person, trying to get them to pull to either side, right? And so we see this uh, happen in the Christian life. And so much so, uh, the book of Romans is written by this man named Apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul, if you don't know anything about his life, it's a fascinating life because he was, if you were to label him before a Christian, he was a terrorist who went after Christians. He persecuted them. He tried to have them arrested and killed and all of these different things. And he was from this Jewish uh, tradition. And so he didn't believe that these people that they called themselves the way that followed Jesus should even be able to tell, continue to tell the story. So he went after them. And as he was headed to this place called Damascus, the Lord literally struck him down with a bright light and he hit the ground and God spoke to him audibly, which is even crazier to think about, right? And God spoke to him and said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? I love how Jesus attached himself to the church, right? He said, why do you persecute me? And then he was blind for three days, and he fully surrenders his life to Christ. And God takes his life and transforms it from where he was chasing down Christians. And now he becomes almost the face of the New Testament Christianity, right? Like God empowers him so much and inspired by the Holy Spirit, he writes most of the New Testament Bible. I mean, how amazing is our God to take somebody like that and change his story to where he does all of that? And so that's who's writing the book of Romans. And uh, the whole book of Romans is just it is so rich in our relationship with God and what happens in the world around us. Well, the Apostle Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament and is such a strong, almost theologian and had this zeal to plant churches. We get to Romans chapter seven. And he gets real. I mean, he gets vulnerable. He kind of bears all of what is happening inside of his mind and inside of his heart. And I think we'll be able to relate to it because he begins to give this depiction that there's this battle going on, almost this war going on inside of his mind, inside of his heart. Like there's these two different natures. He wants to do what is right is what he describes. I want to do what is right. I have the, even the desire to do what is right, but I don't do it. Right? He's like, I want to, but yet I just feel like I keep falling short. I feel like I, I keep, I put every ounce of my power and will, and I, I'm just going to make it happen. I'm going to push forward. He's like, but I have this other nature in me that I feel like just keeps winning. And he describes this battle that is taking place. And in fact, he says this statement in uh, Romans 7, verse 24. It says, oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? And you're going to see this term, sin and death, uh, all throughout Romans chapter 8. It talks about this sinful nature. And it's the, the, when the Bible uses the word sin, that means miss the mark. That means I miss the mark that God has laid out before me. And the Bible tells us that, that the, when sin gives uh, full grown, it leads to death. And the wages of sin is death. And it separates us from God. 
And so ungodly acts, right? Sinful acts and then godly of what godly acts that God has called us to. And so we see this nature and he's like, what a miserable man. Who's going to free me from the power of these evil, sinful, bad, wrong desires, whatever we want to label it, that are inside of me? And then he goes in at the end of Romans 7, but thanks be to God. Jesus Christ, who paid my penalty. And then he gets to Romans chapter 8, and he unravels like a red carpet this idea of the Christian life of going, this is what Jesus has given us. This is what he offers us. We could have called this series the victorious life because he's shown us how to live in victory in Christ. We could have called this series the Christian life. So we were super creative, and we called it Romans chapter 8. Okay, so uh, Romans chapter 8, we're going to be in verse, starting in verse 1. We're going to look at the first 11 verses today, and I'd love for you to highlight, circle, whatever you'd like to do there, uh, because I'm telling you, it's power-packed, and these are just the first 11 verses. Everybody still doing okay? Awesome. So first one, it says this, so now, There is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses, he's talking about the Old Testament, the Ten Commandments, all of that. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sin. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the spirit. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about the things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws and it never will. That is why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. But you are not controlled. He's talking to us Christians. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. And then verse 11 is this. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. Man, I could pray right there. Amen. We're out, right? Like just so much here. So all this in-depth richness that we see here in verses 1 through 11. But he starts off with this foundational truth in Romans chapter 8, verse 1. That is so good, right? He said there's these two natures inside of us. This sinful nature, this ungodly nature. And then as a Christian, we have the Holy Spirit that is in us. And we see these begin to compete with each other. And then in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, he makes this statement, For there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. 
He's saying, yes, we have missed the mark. Yes, we've maybe lived a life of disobedience. We've done things that are ungodly. But yet when we surrender our lives to Christ, there is no longer any condemnation in the eyes of God. And that's we have to believe that at the foundational level, because if you were the enemy and you wanted to hinder Christians to live the Christian life, what was the main thing you would do? is try to convince them, no, no, you still need to carry that guilt. You still need to carry that shame. Are you even really saved? Right? Like, you just said that. You just did that. Are you kidding me? And so the Apostle Paul starts off at the very beginning of this chapter. He says, no, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Condemnation means punishment. I am set free from the wrath of God, the punishment of God. And then it says, I am set free from the power of sin and death that I deserve. But yet Jesus took my place and he set me free on the cross. And there is no condemnation. And oftentimes, I think sometimes we try to pick up our past we try to pick up the things that maybe we have done we've already surrendered to God and we're trying to carry them again and we, we're carrying the guilt we're carrying the hurt we're carrying the shame of all of that and we're trying to walk through life and Jesus is going no I have set you free from that I have released you I love that word that we have been released from that I look at my past and I see that God has saved me and changed me I, I mean I, I see a kid who used to get drunk all the time and chase different things in life and if I were the enemy what I would do is go you can't do that you can't preach the word you can't lead this you can't do that right all of these things right because of my past but I've been released from all of that I've been forgiven from all of that and when God looks at me in my life he doesn't look at me and look at all of those shortcomings and how I missed the mark and all those ungodly acts but the free gift of God is that he forgave me of all and he looks at me now and looks at you if you've surrendered your life to Jesus. And he looks at you through the lens of Jesus and he says, that's my child. That's my son. That's my daughter. You are fully forgiven. And I've released you from all of that in your past. Don't you dare pick up that past mistake. Don't you dare pick up that shame. Don't you dare pick up that guilt, right? And we have to remember this at the foundational level because the enemy wants to rub our faces back in that mud, right? Like you can't do this. You can't live for God. You can't live victoriously. Look at all those things you have done. And we stare back and go, you know what? No, the truth is there's no condemnation. For those who are in Christ Jesus, I have been set free in Christ, right? And he's given us this beautiful picture of the Christian life. That outside of the Christian life, I'm still wrestling with all of that. But yet in Christ, I've been set free. In Christ, I have no shame. I have no guilt. And I have, and I'm able to carry that, right? I have not only am I free from that and released from that, but now I have the power to overcome that sinful desire that is raging war against me, right? Because we're still wrestling with it. It's still a reality in our lives. And just to kind of carry on the airplane, airplane, uh, 
can't say airplane. Airplane illustration from last week. Um, I, funny story is my son sat right here in the first service, and after church, I was like, hey, you think I should add anything? He was like, yeah, tell a lot more jokes. <laughs> so I was like, oh, come on, man, I'm not that funny. But uh, we talk about the airplane, and that's my only joke I can add. But we talk about the airplane, right? And do you find it fascinating and mind-blowing that this massive, like, metal machine can get all of those people, hundreds of people up in the air and carry them across oceans and just this insurmountable looks like feet, right? Like it's just mind blowing because you and I, we're smart enough to know that gravity still exists. Right? Like gravity is trying to pull everything to the earth. It's trying to pull that. And the heavier it is, the faster that gravity is going to pull it down. You take this massive metal plane and then you fill it with all of these people. Right. And gravity is pulling it down like gravity still exists. But yet when you put these two massive engines on this plane and then we're about to go uh, past my aeronautical expertise but you put these two engines on the plane and you crank them things up and you press the throttle and the plane creates lift with the wings I think right like and then it starts to lift off the ground this plane goes up in the air and travels through the ground gravity is still present it is still there, but the engines give the airplane power to overcome gravity, power to move forward. And when we talk about these two desires that are in us, when we receive the Holy Spirit, now we have the power to overcome those sinful desires that are in us. They're still there, right? Like we still fall short and there's still sin in this world. But now God says, I'm going to give you power to overcome it. And that power comes from the Holy Spirit. And I want to give us three aspects of the Holy Spirit uh, that I think we can glean from, from this text, but it also it'll help us uh, in our Christian life. And the first one is, is that when you and I give our lives to Jesus, when we surrender our life to him, the Bible says that we receive the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 1.13, we even read it here in Romans chapter 8. He says, hey, you, you, the, read, the way that you know you've given your life to Christ is because the Spirit is dwelling in you. And he's saying when we've given our lives to Christ, that God himself dwells in us. The New Testament goes on further to say that we are the temple, right? In the Old Testament, there was the temple and God's presence would dwell in the temple. But yet in the New Testament, the believers in Christ become the new temple. So now the living God, in fact, later on, it says the same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead lives in you. And he's looking at us Christians going, you have God dwelling in you, working with your conscience, working with that sinful nature. And then the Spirit gives us power to overcome those ungodly desires that are in us. And the second thing is, is that the Spirit is the seal of our salvation. I know uh, the seal for us may not have a lot of weight to it, but uh, back in the day, now we have envelopes and we kind of lick the envelope, you know, put it together, put the stamp on there. But back in the day, uh, even the Apostle Paul, he'd roll the parchment up and he would take wax, melt the wax to hold the papers together and then take a stamp which had his specific seal on it or the king's seal or whatever it may be and stamp that wax so that when someone received the letter, they go, oh, that's Paul's seal. Oh, that's the king's seal. Oh, that's... And they would know where the letter came from because of the seal that was stamped on there. And the, the, the New Testament tells us that the Holy Spirit is the seal 
of our salvation. That's how we know we are saved because God dwells in us. And I love talking to someone who has given their life to Christ and then they come back to me and they go, oh, I messed up. I know I fell. I know I, know I missed the mark. But yet when I used to do that, I didn't, I didn't really feel much. I, actually, I enjoyed it. But now it's like I had this feeling in my gut, right? Like I, just, I know it's wrong and now I know it's wrong and it's like, it's like convicting me. It's pulling on my heart. It's pulling on that I should not be doing that. I'm like, ah, that's the Holy Spirit, right? Because now you have God dwelling in you, convicting you of sin. And then it also convicts us of righteousness. It convicts us of what is right. He goes, yeah, eliminate this. Yeah, keep adding this. Keep pursuing this, right? He gives us a picture of what is right and what is righteous. And the Holy Spirit convicts us of both of those things. And so now God is making us into his image. He's working with our soul and our spirit and changing us from the inside out. And then the third thing is, is that the spirit gives us power to overcome the sin in our life. The whole, as a Christian, we receive the same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead. Now you and I have this, that power to overcome those desires that are in us. But I, I think if we're honest with each other, we look at that and go, okay, that's cool. I got it. But how do I actually do that? Right. Like, how do I tap in to that power? How do I align myself with that power? Because the, the sinful, ungodly desires are very real. Amen. Right. Like they're very real. They're still present and they still can actually help make us overcome. And it changes the way we behave. But God says, I want to give you something so that you can live victoriously in the Christian life. I'm, I'm not going to leave you alone to do this battle. In fact, I'm going to give you power to overcome those ungodly desires that are in you. And so we begin to see this play out. And uh, I'm going to read these verses in verse 5. It says, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about the sinful things, right? But then he says, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about the things that please the Spirit. It's fascinating that the Apostle Paul starts in the mind. Right. He he pulls our attention in and says, hey, those who uh, are going to overcome those sinful desires, they're not going to think about the sinful desires. They're not going to think about the ungodly things. It's like if I tell you, hey, um, I think the old joke is, is don't think about the purple monkey. Like, don't think about purple. Monkey. Don't think about the purple monkey, Amy. Don't think about Owen. Don't think about it. And you're like, now all I'm thinking about it. Right. Is the purple monkey. But for you and I, in my mind, or I can tell you, I can give you a new way. Right. I can show you a new picture. And the Holy Spirit is saying, don't just think about all of these things. And in fact, he goes even further. He says the law of Moses, it was trying to restrain us. Right. Restrain us from doing all the ungodly things. But yet the grace of God frees us to live in God's righteousness because Jesus fulfilled all of that law for us. Now I'm free in Christ. No condemnation. He fulfilled the law for me. Now he's going to give me power to overcome those through the power of the Holy Spirit. And he says, I want you to remember that as you're walking with me. But it, you and I, it starts with what we focus on. Because you and I, we move toward what we focus on, right? If I'm focusing on something, I'm going to move toward it. And if you think about... Um, as I got older, I started to evaluate I can't eat Taco Bell every meal, right? Like I, I got to start eating a little healthier. And when you start to eat a little healthier, there's a lot of different dynamics that go into that, right? I mean, one is you got to know what not to eat, 
So I need to know, okay, I have to educate myself of, okay, this is a carbohydrate, this is a fat, this is a protein, how much should you have of each one, all those different things, right? But you have to know, don't eat that, don't eat this, but yet also, you need to eat more of this, you need to eat more of that. And so you have this picture. But I don't know anyone who walked into the kitchen and then accidentally, poof, there was a nice healthy meal right there in front of them, right? It doesn't happen on accident, right? Like it, like it has to be incredibly focused and intentional. And I would even argue it's way easier not to eat healthy, right? I can go right out here and go to Wendy's and get my beloved uh, double Baconator on a pretzel bun. Come on, they had to put it on a pretzel bun? Like put it on a pretzel bun. I can, I, and all I got to do is just, I don't even have to get out of my car, Right? And I can get it upsized, and then they trick you. Anyway, but like all of these things. And it's easier, but what I focus on is what I'm going to move towards. Am I focusing on that? And God says we need to focus on the things of the Spirit. And there's a lot of different things because the spiritual disciplines and the things that we focus on, they're not the things that give us power. They align us with the Holy Spirit, which gives us power. They help us to focus on the Spirit and go, oh, okay, I need to surrender this and I need to focus on the Spirit. And now, because what you feed will grow, right? If I feed my sinful desires, my sinful flesh, it's going to grow because I'm not surrendering to the Spirit. In fact, the Bible says you can quench the Spirit, right? Like I can quench the Spirit in my life, but God is saying focus and surrender to the Spirit because there's this aspect that I need to focus on what the Spirit has for me, and that may mean that I have to eliminate some things. The Spirit may ask me to eliminate some things because I'm focused on it too much, and it's causing me to live in a more sinful uh, desires than it is the Spirit desires, right? Like I'm not bad anyone uh, on all of these things and, and I'm not the Holy Spirit I can't tell you what those things are for you right but we can take a step back and go okay Holy Spirit God what do I need to do to focus more on you and for me I mean we know that the word of God is God breathed and that every time I read the word it is alive and active and it guides and it directs me and that's why I'm soaking it in because it helps my mind I'm literally reading the breath of God and so it's it's renewing my mind it's shaping me I'm memorizing it right because then I become a walking bible because I'm holding on to these things and uh, have you noticed gratitude you know, the, the um, comparison is the thief of joy and the antidote for that is gratitude, right? Because I can go, oh, I want what they have. I want that promotion. I want that house. I want that boat. We live in Lake Low Country, right? Like, I want this. I want, like, look at what they have. And then I look around and go, oh, I don't have that. I don't have that. But gratitude goes, God, thank you for today. Whew, I woke up today. I opened up the front door of my house. God, thank you for this house, right? Like that's a completely different shift because I'm not looking at other people and envying what they have, but I'm looking at what the spirit, what God has opened up and it's going, gratitude begins to shape that. And then I, the same kind of avenue, I'm focusing on God's plan for my life 
and not what God's plan is for your life. I'm like, God, can I have her plan? Can I have his plan, right? Like, can I? And God said, no, no, I, this is your race. This is what I've called you to do. This is your, uh, my plan for your life. And I want you to focus in on that. Reading godly books. I mean, we live in a day and age, social media, right? Uh, I mean, there are um, social media handles on both sides, right? Uh, I will block somebody in a heartbeat, right? Like, you got to eliminate some things that feed the sinful desires and, and follow more of the godly desires, whatever it may be. And then this... I think is a big one, is godly community. Because oftentimes the enemy wants to isolate us and our sinful desire wants to isolate us. And if we get isolated and it's just us, what kind of thoughts are we left to? Our own sinful desires, right? Our own, like it just starts feeding on itself because now I'm thinking of things that have isolated me or maybe I've isolated myself, whatever it may be, and now I'm left to my own devices, right? I'm left to my own isolation, my own, and it's just circulating, it's feeding, and it's churning and churning. But if I'm living in godly community, now I'm walking to Steve and he says something to me, I'm like, oh, that's a godly statement okay yeah I'm now I'm reminded of I come to church and I hear the word of God or Jacob says something or I hear a song that that God is good I'm like that's right he is good even though it may not feel like it right now he is good and I'm reminded of the truth and I'm feeding what is true and not feeding what is negative and so I began we begin to ask the question for your life and my life what am I focusing on what's grabbing my attention and God says, allow it to start in your mind because our thoughts turn into emotions and emotions turn into actions. And he's saying, but if you could start in the thought process, if you can start in there, then you know what to do and then allow it to transform your heart. And then it's going to flow into your actions, right? It's going to flow out of who you are. And it's not just behavior modification. Oh, let me try to change this, but it really hasn't changed my heart. God's going to allow it to change you from the inside out and the spirit begins to do that as I focus more on the spirit and I realize okay I need to surrender this and lean more on the spirit surrender this lean more on the spirit surrender this lean. the Christian battle is the only battle that's won through surrender right and all of these different pieces I'm surrendering I'm yielding and I'm listening to what the spirit wants for me and as I step into that I'm stepping into power I'm stepping into not my own strength, but the power of God that is at work within me and the power of God that is at work around us. And now I'm looking, I'm focusing on what is the spirit doing around me? Like how exciting is work now? I'm walking in. What's the spirit doing today? Right. What's he doing in me? What's he doing around me? I'm focusing. I'm looking in. But a lot of times we can walk in and go, oh, there's Nancy. She's about to whoo, she's about to complain. When it, right now I'm focusing on that. But yet I'm focusing on what the Spirit wants to do in me. And God begins to do a mighty work in this because God has called us. He's given us, the Bible tells us, He's given us what we need to live a godly life. Isn't that, that's inspiring but also convicting? Like, oh, He did, right? He gives us the Holy Spirit, gives us power over those sinful desires in us. And so I kind of want to close with this because I just want to continue to drive this home. In verse 6 it says, For set the mind on... Uh, for to set the mind on the flesh is death, right? Those ungodly desires. But to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. Now that's where the peace comes from. When I start to live by the spirit in that, and I start to live in the power that God has given me, that same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead. And I think about this, 
illustration, so to speak. And I, I think about like if we were to go outside here. I think Jacob's uh, car is parked out here. Jacob's the guy who leads worship right here. And if we were to go out there after church and I would get behind the car and I go, OK, it's time to go home. Right. And I put his little stick shift in neutral and then I start to push. Right. I'm like, I'm pushing that car. Like, here we go. Right. Like, oh, let's just make this happen. Let me go all the way home and I'm going to make this happen. Then I could call you guys like, hey, can you help me get home? And then we all get behind the car. And we just start pushing. I, I'm going to find all the strongest people I know, like Al and, and Jason in the back. I'm like, get behind this car. Let's push this thing. Right. And we're pushing and pushing and trying everything that we have. Right. And I think for you and I, oftentimes we try to live the Christian life that way. I'm going to be more disciplined. I'm going to wake up at 5 a.m. and do this and do this and do that. Right. And I'm going to push and push and push. And then Jalen uh, walks outside and he's like, what are y'all doing? Why are you pushing this car? Right. Like. He gets in the car, he puts the key in the ignition, he goes, you hear that thing rev up? He presses the gas pedal a little bit, he puts it in neutral, and he just hits the gas pedal and just flies up out of there, right? Why? Because he knew something that we didn't know. He knew that there was power inside of that car that we were not tapped into. We were trying, we were pushing, and we were exhausted, and we were sweating, and we're looking at the Bible, and looking at the Christian life, going, Dale, this, I don't know if this works. I don't know what you're talking about, this Christian life, right? But yet we have to know the knowledge of what God has given us. In Romans chapter 8, he's saying, you have the power of the Holy Spirit dwelling in you. That's the power in your life. And when you tap into the power of the Holy Spirit, he gives us power to overcome the sinful desires that are in us. And he's saying it's not about working harder, but it's about aligning ourselves with the Spirit at work in us. And that's why when our life becomes a testimony, because we run into friends from 10 years ago and they go, whoa, what happened to you? Man, last time I saw you, you were, you know, doing this and smoking that and, and, and talking this way and doing all of that. And you're like, whew, let me tell you, man, I gave my life to Jesus. And he began to change me. And then, I, and then the spirit began to do a work in me. And he began all of these things, right? Because now he's taken my old life and he's turned it into a testimony. And that's what he did with the Apostle Paul. I mean, if he can take the Apostle Paul, he can take me. He can take you, right? And he can radically change our lives and give us the power of the Holy Spirit. Because we have the same God. Can we just allow this to soak in for a minute? The same power that took Jesus' lifeless body that was laying in the tomb and it said, get up. And it breathed life. And, and three days in the tomb, Jesus walked out of the grave and proved that he is who he said he was. That same spirit lives in you right now as a believer. That same spirit lives in you when you head out these doors. That same spirit lives in you when you're trying to be a parent. That same spirit lives in you if you're trying to navigate the trials and the sorrows of life. Because when trials hit, have you noticed those sinful desires? They just, they're trying to, uh, ugly heads coming right there, trying to come about. But yet God's saying, even in that, the, the power of the Holy Spirit can help us to overcome. And that's why I love Romans chapter 8. And I, I just, I hope that everybody is able to come every week for this series because we see that the Apostle Paul, he doesn't hide anything. He begins to talk about real trials, real sorrow, but yet how the Christian life, we're still called to overcome. We're still called to live 
in hope, live in peace. And how, even in the midst of those trials, we can still grow in maturity. We can still have peace. We can still have comfort because that comes from the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. And God has called us to that. But we see this begin to happen. Outside of Christ, we don't experience the power of the Holy Spirit in us. Right? When I, it says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Right? Those who are in Christ Jesus, who have surrendered their lives to him. And outside of that, we're left to self-help and to our own discipline and all of those different things to try to keep those demons at bay. But God says, as a believer in Christ, you receive God who is dwelling in you and gives you power to overcome, power to live this Christian life. He's saying, not only are you released from your past, not only are you completely forgiven, but yet you receive the power of the Holy Spirit that dwells in you. And some of you may be sitting in this room here today or listening to this, and maybe you've never had someone look you in the eyes and go, yeah. I forgive you. I know you messed up. I know you fell short. But I forgive you. I love you. Not only that, Jesus took it a step further. He says, not only do I forgive you, but I'm going to take your punishment. <laughs> like We deserve to live eternity in hell. We deserve death. And Jesus goes, you know, I love you so much that I'm going to take your place on the cross. I'm going to take all of that for you. And I forgive you. And that's, that's, we got to live in that. And sometimes I think we have to be better preachers than the devil, better preachers than our own sinful desires, because we will pick up that shame. We will pick up that guilt and try to carry it again. And we look in the mirror and go, oh, oh, how am I going to do today? I'm just carrying all this. And God goes, lay it at my feet. He is faithful. He is good to forgive you of our sins, forgive us of our shortcomings. And then because of that, I'm able to look at other people and to go, how in the world could you forgive them? And I go, because I fell short and God forgave me. I deserve to spend eternity away from him. But yet he looked at me and said, I forgive you. And I was released from that because Christ first forgave me. And so as we live in that here today, I just want to pray for us and uh, kind of twofold. If you've never given your life to Jesus before and you're going, Daniel, you know, you're describing this Christian life and I've never fully surrendered my, Christ, my life to Christ and I've never received the Holy Spirit and all of these different aspects. God, I want to surrender my life to Jesus today. And I'd love to pray for you and tell you how you can do that. But also I want to pray for us as a church and just begin to pray and ask that question. What are we focusing on? What are we feeding? And God is saying, I want you to focus on the Spirit and the things of the Spirit. And I believe we can we'll watch God do a mighty work in us. Look, I'm telling you, it, it's going to change your life, right? Like, I'm not saying your life is going to be the same, but I, I'm going to argue that God will begin to change your life to make us more like Him, right? And we're going to read further. I'm not even going to say life's going to be easier. It may not. It may get harder. But yet you're going to have more peace. You're going to experience more of God in your life. And then that becomes a testimony for those who are around us.
And so I want to pray for us. If you want to give your life to Jesus, the Bible says if we repent, which means if I turn away from those ungodly acts and desires, I realize I have fallen short, and then I turn and I believe that Jesus died on the cross for me. I'm, not only do I believe it, but I'm willing to place my faith in it. And it's because now I'm turning from that lifestyle. And God, I want to turn towards a lifestyle that is guided by you. I trust you're my Lord and Savior. You are God, but yet you're the God of my life. And I'm surrendering to that. And I, and I believe on a place in my faith in you, Jesus. And Romans 10, 9 says, if you confess in, with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. That's a promise that we can cling to. So I just want to lead you through this prayer. The prayer is not what saves you, but it's your confession. It's what Jesus did on the cross for us. And so if you want to give your life to Jesus, you can say a prayer like this, dear Heavenly Father. God, I know that I have fallen short. God, and I need you to save me and to change me. God, I ask that you would forgive me. I believe that you died on the cross. I believe that you rose again. And I pray that you will continue to give me power over the sin in my life. And if you prayed that prayer here this morning, I would encourage you to uh, grab one of those Connect cards, fill it out, or stop by the Connect Center. We want to walk with you. We want to talk with you you're not meant to take this journey alone. But I want to pray for us as a church. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for your truth and your power, God. God, thank you that you would set us free, that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And I pray that we would live into that, God, that we would drop all the shame, all the guilt today, right now, in the name of Jesus, and we would walk out of this place set free that we will remember who we are in you, God. And we are marching forward in your power. God, help us to focus on the things of the Spirit. And if there's things that you want us to stop doing, I pray that you make those abundantly clear. God, give us the boldness and the courage to do that. God, point us and direct us in the way of what we need to start doing. How we can focus more in the Spirit, God, and surrender to you. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Let's stand and worship together.